1: As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as my weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein, calling in in a few minutes. Barry's from the New York Post Sports Department. So let's get started, and my highlight of the week, again, is the baseball playoffs, and specifically the play of the St. Louis Cardinals. Who must now be recognized as one of the great postseason organizations currently in all of sports, dating back to their 2006 World Championship and, of course, winning it all last year. And now they are on the brink of going back to the World Series with a 3 1 lead over the San Francisco Giants and hosting the Giants today, tonight in Game 5. And to think they're doing all of this without Albert Pujols is just amazing. Um, They just seem to be producing numerous guys we haven't heard of before that are just coming up big in the clutch. And it's now no longer a coincidence. It's a pattern. And it's clearly the types of players they're developing that are not afraid of the big stage. So, again, just hats off to the Cardinals. Uh, You know, they're a little bit like the New York Giants where they last couple seasons, they've played just well enough to get into the tournament, and once they get in, they're deadly. And uh, as a postscript to last Friday's unbelievable win over the Washington Nationals in the greatest winner-take-all comeback game in baseball history, Uh, I have some thoughts on the Nats, and it's simply, uh, I felt all year that the Nationals were messing with the baseball gods with their mishandling of Steven Strasburg, their ace pitcher, sitting him for the postseason while he was healthy, in my mind, just absolutely unheard of. Uh, You never know when you're going to get back to the postseason. They had the best record in the National League this year, and... You know, when you're in that position, especially when you haven't been in the postseason in 79 years, dating back to the days of the Washington Senators, uh, when you're in that position for the postseason to get a championship, you just have to go for it. Uh, I don't know where they come up with the 160 innings for Strasburg, but uh, it, you know, it just seems to me that they should have somehow, some way, managed him better so that, be at shorter innings throughout the year, whatever, so that uh, so that he could have been around for the postseason. Just seeing him sitting in the dugout in uniform was crazy and bizarre. So basically, I just felt, uh, number one, I rooted for them for most of the year. Uh, who, who wouldn't root for a team from Washington, D.C., a baseball team to be in the postseason, But as the Strasbourg strategy unfolded, I just felt less and less inclined to root for them, thinking they were just making a, a blunder of epic proportions. And I believed all along that they would pay for this flawed strategy. And sure enough, they lost in the absolutely most excruciating fashion possible. I stayed up late to watch that game, no surprise. And just simply uh, could not believe that ninth inning where the Cardinals just would not go away. They scored four times to overcome a two-run deficit in the top of the ninth. And uh, it was just incredible to watch. And I don't know if I've ever seen a more disappointed fan base sitting in the stadium than those Washington Nationals fans. And oh, by the way, I heard that the very next day, as in Saturday morning, you talk about a a playoff loss hangover, elimination game hangover. Apparently, uh, national season ticket holders got an email offering them tickets to the World Series. Ouch, that hurts. So, my bizarre story of the week of the week is. The Alex Rodriguez saga with the New York Yankees as they got swept yesterday by the Tigers in a beatdown game. Uh, the sideshow story got crazier by the day uh, as the Bombers went down meekly to Detroit. Well, A-Rod and his $100 million-plus strategy and 600-plus home runs just sat on the bench. Uh, it was pretty incredible to watch. I think, you know to watch it unfold, because as, you know, when they when they sat him for that first game, he was obviously mired in a horrific slump, as were the rest of it, all of his teammates. Obviously, we now know that. And, you know, it just seemed like they were sitting him down against uh, right-handers. And, you know, I myself thought, oh, you know, it's just a one-time thing. But uh, with each passing game and with the New York media... Elevating the story and pounding on the story, the craziness of A-Rod apparently or supposedly, allegedly, flirting with uh, someone up in the stands. You know, took the whole story to page six of the New York Post, uh, the gossip page. And so it just, again, got more and more bizarre by the hour. Actually, I give A-Rod a lot of credit for handling it as well as possible. I thought that he, uh, you know, he really took the high road, said all the right things, uh, even to the very end, which was last night after they got swept. And uh, so, all in all, I was fairly impressed with uh, with what A-Rod did. And the big question is, uh, you know, is the marriage now over? I mean, I just... Cannot see where they go from here, since I just can't imagine that the two sides can coexist. There's some rumors out there now about the Marlins, uh, Miami Marlins, being interested in A-Rod. He's a Miami native, uh, as many of you may know, and uh, maybe more of an icon down there than he is uh, in other parts of the country. So it's going to be interesting watching, to say the least, Um, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens with A-Rod and the Yankees in general. Uh, Obviously, they get a bit of a pass here because Derek Jeter, truly the heart and soul of this team as much as any player has ever been the heart and soul of any team, uh, broke his ankle, Last week uh, in game one, I believe, and I think that, you know, that combined with the fact that the lineup already was not hitting, Robbie Cano was like 0 for 29, things like that, Uh, you know, it just felt that, uh, you know, it just wasn't happening before Jeter's injury. But once he went out, I I think that was it. But now, all of a sudden, you have to look at this Yankee lineup and say... you know, we might have seen the last or certainly the best of Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. He may or may not come back, but if either even if both come back, they're the tieback to the old guard Yankees going back into the late 90s, that, champ, that team of championship timber, and, uh, you know, they're obviously in the twilight of their career. That's an understatement, so... Uh, I just think that, you know, and then watching really last uh, yesterday afternoon's game, Sabathia just got absolutely shelled. I think he gave up like nine hits in just the first couple of innings. Uh, granted, the, the the Tigers were rabid in wanting to close them out. They were smart to do so. you got to definitely drive the heart, the stake through the heart of the Yankees. And uh, so, yes, it was uh, – you know, may have signaled the end of an era. I, I, I think it's possible they could be in for a bit of a major makeover as these things go. Um, there's simply uh, no room in New York for getting swept. Uh, be anxious to see if George Steinbrenner's sons react the way George Steinbrenner himself would have acted, which would have been heads rolling and... Uh, Changes made at minimum. So is it, that's going to be, in my mind, the top storyline of the offseason uh, because, again, the Yankees uh, do not sit still. And right now, their team has uh, proven once again, other than 2009, as a team that is built for the regular season but not the postseason. That's a problem down in New York, to say the least and uh so we shall see what happens but the baseball playoffs uh, i mean the division series were absolutely spectacular and the league championship series so far have been less than that and tonight if the cardinals close out the giants uh, both lcss would have proven to have been uh Uh, anticlimactic after those spectacular division series that we held. So, with that said, uh, and as my former co host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports voice mark is sports ready for in your face sports wanna talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go you're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is.
0: Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies?
3: is a five ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal.
2: He's the... got it. But 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This
0: one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Cover everything.
2: Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests join us, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Barry, I know you're headed to New York, and you're probably going to find a somewhat depressed city with the Yankee season now officially over with an ugly sweep to end it.
4: Yeah, it was pretty ugly, Um, you know, and it's very, you know, from a Yankees point of view, very unusual too to have to have a season end like this, you know, getting swept in a playoff series. I mean, this is the the first time they've been uh, they've been swept uh, in a best of seven series since the 1976 World Series against the Reds. So, you know, that alone tells you that this is something that doesn't happen very often. And to take that a step further. They never they never even had a lead in this series, uh, against the Tigers and they got swept in in this series, uh, without having a lead. And this the first time that has happened to them since the nineteen sixty three World Series against the Dodgers. So we're talking, you know, historical uh proportions here for as far as uh you know, the Yankees not being able to succeed on the field, you know, just, just the overall, you know just poor play. Um you know, and you can't blame the pitching, really. I mean, you can't blame Sabathia or Pettit or, or Hughes or any of these guys. They pitched the hard stuff. They really did. The, the, the thing was, you know, yeah, the Tigers pitching was pretty good. You know, we have to say that. You sure turned a no-hitter. You know, the first five innings last night, the, the, the pitching I thought was pretty stellar throughout the series. But, you know, uh, when you have a team that, that's built the way the Yankees are, you know, a team that, that, that has really hit well most of the season, you uh, to have you know one or two guys go to the slump, you could probably deal with that. But it just seemed that everyone slumped at the same time, and it was just, it, and it was really, it took on a, a really stunning proportion. I mean, when you look at the numbers and how bad they were, I mean, Robertson Cano was you know really talked about as an MVP candidate all season long, right? He batted right. O, he batted o seventy five in the postseason. That's just that's just incredible. A rod one twenty five. I mean, you know, we we, we you know we, we can talk more about A Rod in a minute, but you know, here's a guy that. Um, that he's still owed five years on his contract, 114 million dollars, and here's a guy that, that, that seems to be disintegrating right before our eyes. I a 125 in the, in the playoffs. Chris Cranderson, another guy who some people were talking about, you know, in, in the MVP kind of speak, in the conversation, had 100 in this series. A Russell, Russell Martin 161, Nick Swisher 167, Eric Chavez 0 for 16. I mean, these are all, you know. You know, we're not talking about guys hitting 250. I mean, these are all guys hitting, you know, in some cases under 100. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just crazy. I mean, the Yankees batted at the team that 188 in the postseason, 157 in the LCS against the Tigers. I mean, these are just, just you know, staggering numbers when you, when you look at it. I mean, it, it's just, it's really mind-boggling because especially, you know, with the team with the reputation the Yankees have of, of postseason excellence, this was anything but. I mean, it was just—it was really, really ugly to watch. And uh, there's going to be a lot of hard questions asked of this team going, in, going into the going into the uh, off season. I mean, you know, you have two guys there—you know, two guys that are really uh, part of that original core four. Of course, uh, Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera both coming up with very serious injuries, and you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, Mariano's coming up a ACL injury. He says that he's planning on coming back. But you know we don't know if he's really going to be into it at this point. Jeter, you know, fracturing ankle, is he at thirty-eight? His range wasn't that much to begin with. Is he going to be able to do the same? There's a lot of questions. Um, and again, A. Rod just kind of his his been disintegrated before our eyes. I mean, it's not it's not quite at the level of Willie Mays with the Mets in the '73 World Series and he was falling all over himself. But it's not that much different. I mean, you know, that, that's the only difference is he wasn't falling all over himself, but he didn't perform, struck out a lot was bad doing it. And, um, you know, uh, I guess we can kind of sum up the Yankees postseason. You know, we know about the whole incident this week with, uh, with A-Rod, you know, uh, kind of flirting with a couple of, uh, of girls, you know, in the, in the stands. It was ready. His number is, you know, texting, texting me on the baseball, all that stuff. Front page of of my newspaper today, a big baseball written on it was, Dear Yankees, we don't date losers. I'm (laughs) New Yorkers. So, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I love it. that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at here. So it's, uh, there's going to be a lot of hard questions to ask. And I know a, a lot of really, you know, the Yankees are we're really going to seriously have to, you know, do, do some soul searching in the off season because this, this is not the way a Yankee season, uh, you know, usually ends the end. And the And one starts to think what it would be like if, if George Steinbrenner were still alive to see this, you know, there'd be, there'd be serious repercussions. So, you know, they, they, you, you you might see a manager at a, at a, at a GM without jobs today. If, uh, if george were still around so it's uh it, it's gonna be an ugly offseason
1: for the yankees of the oh absolutely and uh yep only the new york post can uh put it like that and <laughs> and the new york and your newspaper broke that story right i mean you were the yep. ones yep yep I, I that didn't surprise me when i saw that and uh yeah it's just it's the last thing he or the team needed uh But, you know, the amazing thing about their team-wide slump and what differentiates it from all other teams in baseball is, you know, a team-wide slump with the Yankees means seven or eight household names, stars, superstars, all hitting in the 100s, as you so eloquently put it. Uh, Whereas, you know, any other team you're talking about, a team-wide slump, you know, you're talking about two or three stars and five or six guys. But with the Yankees, again... You're talking about a whole bunch of superstars all slumping at the exact same time, and that's what makes it just so unusual. You gave the historic numbers uh, just incredible, incredible to witness, but, you know, for me, I think that, you know, they were already on shaky ground. The Orioles had given them all they could handle, and... Derek Jeter breaking his ankle just cut the heart and soul right out of that team. That just finished him off right there, and I thought it at the time, at the moment. So was I surprised by a sweep? Yes. And by them going down, you know, all batting in the 100s? Absolutely. But losing the series? No, not at all. I, I thought, you know, the Tigers just simply uh, when they weathered that Yankee comeback in the ninth inning, uh, you know, and won that game. Uh, right along with Derek Jeter breaking his ankle, I, I, I thought you know, <coughs> Tigers yeah, are ready to take yeah, the next step. Detroit, Detroit's a good team. I mean, and, and very good proved team. It. They've proved it all
4: season long. You know, they, they have they have superstars. You know, they have they have Prince Fielder, they have Miguel Cabrera. Um, you know, they have they have the, they have the pitching. I mean, um, you know, Verlander's the best there is. Uh, Scherzer's had a great season. Uh, Pistorius a really good young pitcher who's pitching very he's he's easily. I mean, they, 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 deserve, they deserve the props. They deserve everything they got. But, you know, I, I think you know, really the, the thing that, that's really surprising, you know, is just the way the Yankees went down, like we said. I mean, you were, just, we're, just, we're just not used to seeing this from them. And, you know, and the other thing, too, I mean, they're not, they're not, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, potential for the future here. I mean, they're an old team. I mean, all these guys have a lot of miles on them. And, you know, and, you know there's other guys we didn't even mention. Uh, you know, Ichiro's 39. I mean, he's slowed down a bit. Can, I think he can still play. He's slowed down a bit. Um, you know, Sabathia has had a very good year, but he has he has, he has elbow issues. Let's face it. You know, uh, Andy Pettit, 41 years old. I mean, are these guys really going you know, to, you know, what's what's the long-term prognosis here? Uh, there's really, you know, not a whole lot of youth on this team. The, 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 you know, you think of the Yankees, you don't think of a lot of young kids. These are all established. Veteran guys, uh, you know, a lot of people think Nick Swisher might have played his last game as a Yankee. I think a lot of Yankee fans wish A Rod has played his last game as a Yankee, and you know, and here is a guy that they're, you know, we see this in the NBA sometimes we get because of the salary cap situation. They they're going to be stuck with A Rod, and you know, unless they they figure out a way to you know have a pretty substantial buyout of his contract. I mean, if his if his if his skills have eroded to the point where where they don't think he should, you can even Start him in games three and four, uh, in an elimination games of a playoff series? I mean, that's, that, that was a pretty bold statement by Joe Girardi, I think. Um, you know, clearly, uh, A Rod was slumping. Clearly, he wasn't swinging the pat well. But a guy that you've invested that much money and that much effort in, and a guy who, you know, quite frankly, is not well liked in New York, not, not loved, not loved, and we've talked about this before on the show. He's not a, you know, a true Yankee, as a lot of people have, have, have. Uh, have paraphrased him at. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go with A-Rod, because it's like, what's the end game here? Uh, if you know, they pinch hit for him earlier in this series, and he wasn't in the lineup for the last two games of the series. So, you know, what does that tell you? I mean, that tells you that they don't have faith or confidence in him to produce, and especially in so desperate a situation. I mean, I guess I, I think the thing is, Girardi felt he had to do something. And he couldn't just stand by and, and watch without even. Trying to juggle the lineup, or trying to change things around, but you know it, it didn't help. And you know you just kind of have to wonder where
1: this is going to go with a Rod. And I just, I just don't think it's going to be pretty. Well, I agree. And I guess uh, my postscript on it would be, and you heard it here first. For the first time in a generation, I think next year the preseason favorite in the uh-huh. AL East is going to be the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, thing, you file that under the category of things you never thought you'd hear yourself say, but. Sitting here today, I think there's almost no doubt about that.
4: Yeah, and that's and that's not a stretch at all. I mean, they had a, they had a really good season, and again, they're kind of the antith- antithesis of the Yankees, right? I mean, there's no right. real superstars in that team. A bunch of young guys. Uh, you know, Buck Showoff did a great job with them this year. They they believed in win. Uh, they were they went the Yankee Stadium uh, during the during the playoffs and. And during the regular season, they didn't blink. They did not blink right. at all. I mean, and they were, they went toe-to-toe with the Yankees all year. And they were, you know, you look at the numbers, at the stats, they were very similar to the Yankees with, with what they did. So, you know, the difference here is that the Yankees are a team on the climb, clearly, and the mm-hmm. Orioles are a team on the rise. So, yeah, I i, I, I wouldn't dispute that assessment at all. In fact, uh, you know, that, 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 that sounds pretty plausible to me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the Orioles. I think they're an up-and-coming young team, and, you know, what they did this year will just give them, you know, give them so much optimism and so much confidence uh, going through the offseason season next year. Right? I I could see that happening. Absolutely.
1: Oh, m- most definitely. I think it's safe to say it's almost a lock no matter what the Yankees may or may not do uh, in free agency over the winter. And, you know, sticking with baseball, uh you know, last week, I mean, the LDSs were just incredible. Uh, I talked about the Nationals uh, giving it up in the ninth inning to the Cardinals. But I started off the show basically, you know, paying homage to the Cardinals. I mean, at this point, you know, winning in 2006, winning it last year, now with the 3-1 lead, still at home tonight to close it out and head to the World Series against the Tigers, at this point, You know, no matter what, almost, uh, unless they just give it up to the Giants, which is possible. The Giants won the World Series a mere two years ago. Short of that, though, you have to look at the St. Louis Cardinals now as just simply uh, one of the... I, I put them with the New York Giants as simply the best organization for the postseason out there in all of sports uh I actually compared them to the Giants uh especially the last two years and even to a degree in 06 uh you know they play well enough just well enough to get in the tournament once they get in the tournament they're deadly
4: yeah i agree with that and you know again the formula is working for them and uh they they've played really well and you know it's a, a well run organization i mean uh you know they had really you know one manager throughout all that tony larusa and then uh you know, after he retired, you know Matheny's done a really good job. Um, you know, they've they've got the pitching, uh, they've got the offense. Uh, you know, they've they've done a really good job this year. The uh, the Cardinals, you know, and I think they're one of those teams that you know, kind of like the Yankees, it's just that like you expect them to do well. Um, you know, right. and 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 you know, again, the formula is is working for them. And, I mean, the, and the interesting thing interesting thing is, they're with as much success as they as they've had. Uh, this would, if they do uh close out tonight and, and move on to the World Series, um, this would be the first time the Cardinals have been, been to consecutive World Series since 1967-68, which is, which is kind of hard to believe, right? Uh, you know, and, the, and of course, their opponent in 1968 was the Detroit Tigers, you know, back in the day when uh, Danny McLean and Bob Gibson were in their prime, so, you know, there's some uh, some historical significance there, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think as far as a team that the organization that gets it, uh, you know, a knowledgeable fan base. I mean, there are, there are people who will tell you that, uh, you know, going to a St. Louis Cardinals game, uh, it's, it's one of the, the unusual experiences of sports it's right up there with going to a Packers game at Lambeau Field. I mean, they're knowledgeable fans, they're passionate fans. Um, in fact, I, I, I a former colleague of mine who covered uh, Major League Baseball, he said, say that covering a game in St. Louis was the only place that he's ever been around, you know, traveling, you know, covering Major League Baseball, where everybody you run into in the city and during the day is, are you going to the game tonight? Are you going to the game tonight? And that's, they, they, they live for the Cardinals, and, you know, everybody shows up in the stadium dressed in red, and it, 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 it's an unbelievable uh, baseball atmosphere. So, uh, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that assessment. And I think that uh I think it's going to be a good world. To, if the Cardinals do indeed move on to face the Tigers, that's yeah, going to be a good World Series. You have two really good organizations, uh, two teams that get it, and um, yeah, it should be it should be a fun series to watch. But uh, yeah, I would I would go along with everything you said about the Cardinals. Absolutely.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, they really are. I mean, they've won something that sounds like a dozen World Championships. And just to close out this segment, uh, for them to do what they're doing this year so far with uh, Tony La Russa having moved on and without Albert Pujols is simply nothing short of amazing. And they're just to be commended. And, again, at this point, uh, you know, my respect for the organization, which has always been high, like with most baseball fans. Who hates the Cardinals, right? No. <laughs> nobody, nobody, has- I kn- nobody I know. They're a likable team, likable organization. But not at this point, yeah, that what they're doing is just taking it to another level with a new manager and losing their the top player in baseball, uh, in the off season. So, with that said, Barry, I know you're sticking around. So we're going to take our break, and we'll get into a little NFL football on the other side.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports.
0: Voice America Sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: 1 p.m. Pacific, to Ray Ellis Sports, right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a ass and they move oh, on I just, and I just think that the coach go. made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, speak up, speak up or forever hold your mouth. We
3: ain't playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports.
1: 3-4-6-9-1-4-4. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post and Barry we're going to talk a little bit of NFL football and I'm going to introduce it by saying that uh, for me the highlight of last week and I was watching it live on Red Zone was uh, RG three seventy six yard run and you know I I was part of a group of media that interviewed him uh... in his press conference immediately after being drafted last april and i was just so blown away because you know he basically got off the podium walked right over where he calmly stood and took photos with an endless line of american servicemen he of course is the son of a military man and uh... just such an impressive and charismatic guy and boy he's he is just i think among the most exciting players to enter the NFL in just recent memory. But that run was, it brought me out of my seat, the way he was just uh, put in separation with the defensive back and how fast he really, really is. So, Barry, uh, RG3 he is just something special, to say the least.
4: Yeah, I think, I, I, agree with that. And, you know, like you said, I mean, all, all indication, I And mean, you, you've got to see him firsthand in the draft. I mean, he has a reputation of just being a, a, real, a real, uh, upstanding young guy and, uh, feel very likable, uh, very marketable, obviously. We've already seen him on, on, commercials for a couple of different products. And, uh, you know, on the field, he's really been, been, he's really shown that he has the good. And, uh, I, I think that, uh, Giants are going to have to handhold with him this week. And the Redskins, yes. I, mean, I mean, the Giants don't normally do well as a favorite at home, you know, against the division opponent. They're, they're all two against the division this year. This is, this is a big game for both teams. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the Giants are, you know, they certainly judging on their performance last week, I mean, they probably played their best game of the season last week and go, going to San Francisco and really dominating the 49ers. Really, the, 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 the Niners, I thought, didn't, didn't even really show up in that game. You know, I, I thought the Giants played their best. Certainly, the best defensive game of the year, and you know, offensively they did what they had to do, uh, scoring 26 points. That was pretty good too against the, the Niners' defense. I mean, that was a, that was a, a team that you know it was a rematch of last year's uh, NFC Championship, uh, which was tooth and nail tied uh, in overtime. But this wasn't even a contest. You know, it was. Uh, I was. I, I thought the Giants had a good chance to win. I did not think they would dominate the way they did. That was that, that was very impressive on their part. Uh, but uh, they're going to get a good test for the Redskins this week for sure. And uh, and, uh, RG3 has really gotten people in Washington very excited about this team very quickly. And, uh, and again, for all the reasons you mentioned, and, uh, you know, on the field, off the field, and, uh, I think if you're the Redskins, you guys feel pretty good about your chances this week.
1: Well, the number one thing about RG3, uh, among all his attributes are his teammates really believe in him. He elevates their play. And that's a rare athlete that can do that, and it's an unbelievably rare athlete that can do it after uh, what six, seven games into his pro career. It's right. utterly remarkable so far, and I, of course, with uh, knowing they're playing at Giants Stadium at, at MetLife uh, on Sunday, think back to uh, the comments by OCU Minura where uh, back in the preseason, where he said, you know. He was going to call him Robert, not RG3. He hadn't earned the name RG3 yet. And uh, by now, maybe he has earned the name RG3. Uh, is that is that topic getting any chatter down in New York? Because I remember when he said it, and I thought it was... Uh, I, I agreed with him at the time, but uh, I think it adds a little spice to Sunday's game as if it needs any. It's a classic NFC East battle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you you,
4: know, you whenever... Teams, I mean, I think it's easy to say things like that you know, in the preseason, just you know, being asked off the cup And, you know, And I believe, I think he said he was either called Robert or he may, it might even have been Bob. I don't really recall. But he, oh, uh, you're right. He,
1: might be Bob. Yeah, you're right.
4: Yeah. Bob. yeah. But was, I, think, was, you know, was, I, I took league, that as an league.
1: insult, by the way, Bob. Because yeah. nobody calls I mean, I, him Bob. People call him yeah. Robert or RG3.
4: Yeah, Bob. Well, yeah, until he shows me, I think his name will be Bob. So, right. but I so think, be, I think in the, in, yeah, I think, but I think in the week leading up to the game, I don't think you're gonna have, you have a whole lot of you know back and forth uh, about any of that stuff. You know, it's, 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 it's very focused. You know, it's a division game. You know, you don't have the, the you know really the back and forth uh, taunting. Uh, you know, unless it comes you know, in, it's, it's not the Giants' style to do that. First of all, right. and I. I you know, I think they're going to be focused. They know it's an important division game. Uh, Giants are in first place right now. They want to hold on to that lead. They want to, you know, kind of build on, on, you know, the, 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 all the success they've had this season. Uh, you know, they haven't done, shown it in the division yet. They have two division losses. So, uh, you know, they need to, they realize they got to get their division record back on the stick there and and just move forward. So, you know, uh, again, it's not the Giants' style. to talk trash during the week. Um, so, we shall, uh, we shall
1: see about that. Yes, well, and your other New York team also has a huge marquee game right uh, right down the road from, from where I'm standing at this moment over in Gillette Stadium. And uh, Jets at Patriots, is, it's as good as it gets. Uh, remarkable to think that they're both 3-3. Three and three. They're both, along with the Bills and the Dolphins, they're all 3-3. Three and three. They're all tied for first. They're all tied for last. Uh that should be, that will be a great game as always. Uh, Rex is, uh, you know, certainly showing respect <coughs> this week. Uh, he's been praising Belichick, uh, more and more, more than I've ever heard him, um, with none of the guarantees. So that's going to be fun. Yeah,
4: it always is when the Jets and Patriots get together. Um, you know, and yeah, and, and, right. The AFC game is any uh, questions. I hope all four teams in the division be 3-3, you know, he'd probably be thrilled if they were all 8-8 the of the year. So, yeah, Um you know, uh, you know, Rex has been more, um, a, a little bit quieter this year, although early in the week he did say he, he thought that, that the Jets could win this game. Uh, you know, again, what else is he gonna say, right? He still has, he still has to be confident with this team. Um, I don't really know, at this point of the year, I don't really know what to make of the Jets because, you know, they've, they, and and there' been some weeks they look so bad and other weeks you know certainly beating the teams that, that they that they should be you know the jets might just be one of those teams that you know they they the teams they should beat and then when they play teams that are at their level or above you know they're, they're not going to have much success but you know that said you know the Patriots are also three and three that have, you know be, so, um you know i i, I would use the edge of the pace being that you know they're at home and you know, any team with, with with Brady and Belichick, you always have to give the edge to, right? I mean, I think so. Oh, yeah. uh I, I would expect it to be a good game. Uh You know, the Jets are, are banged up on defense, but we'll we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, I don't know. I, my, my, my gut here is telling me that that is telling me Patriots. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that.
1: Yeah, well, my best, uh, I mean, you know, my take on the Jets is that they're barely hanging on. You know, there's enough quality there to basically cling to, uh, you know, staying relevant. But, and I give them some credit because frankly, they're doing it without their best player on defense, Darrell Rivas, their best player on offense, Antonio Holmes. But I think if I'm the Patriots, I'm looking at this week as the opportunity to just pretend, possibly, you know, drive the stake right through their heart. Uh, you know, with potentially, if they can, like, uh, dominate them, because I, I, I just see the Jets as fragile right now. And, you know, they could kind of go either way, uh, you know, with their season. And I think Sunday could be a big turning point one way or the other. If they come in and pull the upset, then they're really going to start believing in themselves. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, no doubt about it. Um but, you know, I, I must say, just on, on a bit of a sad note, uh, pretty crazy, you know, last weekend to see Ray Lewis go down, you know, a mere 24 hours after Derek Jeter goes down. You know, both. I know Lois Lewis was initially thought to be out for the season, but now he's been placed on uh, on an injured list that I guess could allow him to come back in eight weeks or so. Uh, I hope it doesn't end this way for Ray Lewis. I really don't, and for Jeter, for that matter. Uh, you know, I've come around on Ray Lewis. I've, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I've never been a fan, but, you know, I saw the special on the NFL Network. Uh, and, you know, at this point, you just simply have to respect his career. No question about it. So, just kind of strange to see uh, see that happen. Uh, and... The Ravens. I mean, you have to wonder where this leaves them. Not only did they lose Ray Lewis, of course, they also lost their top cornerback, Ladarius Webb. He is out for the season. It seems like Suggs may be coming back, uh, but you know, all of a sudden they go from favorite to you know uh, not favorite in a hurry. Yeah, when you lose well,
4: when you lose guys like Webb and, and and Ray Lewis for sure that that's that's going to happen. So I mean, there's a team. It's really predicated on on their defense, although they do have a lot of talent on offense uh, this year. You know, I, I think I think Flacco's done a really good job, and and Ray Rice is one of the top running backs in the league. So, yeah, you know, they certainly have have improved have uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But you know, let's face it. I mean, the Ravens are are recognized primarily and, and known primarily for their defense. And I think losing you know using, losing a guy like Lewis is clearly the the heart and soul of this team uh, of that defensive unit. And,
1: Yes, that is definitely going to be a uh, a problem. I mean, they still have Ed Reed, but it it was Lewis who was the straw that stirred that drink, and uh, obviously called all the defensive signals. He was a true. He he was more than any other player in the league on defense. a, A quote quarterback, where he basically was telling everybody where to be on defense, setting the tone, setting the plays, and basically just doing it all. Even if he had lost a step and wasn't quite able to do physically what he has done in the past. So with that said, uh, we'll take our break now, and Barry's sticking with us on the other side, and uh, we'll talk a little NHL, which is depressing. America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And uh, Barry, for the first time ever doing this show, I forgot I give a highlight, a low light, and a bizarre news item at the start of every show. And I forgot to give my low light. I was so wrapped up talking baseball. But my low light of the week uh, we will launch right into our next Conversation, which is yesterday's breakdown of the NHL labor talks, uh, with both sides clearly sounding like they are at an impasse. So, for the first time, at least from where I'm sitting, it seems like the season may be in jeopardy. Both Bettman and Sidney Crosby gave press conferences that I watched late last night. They were both uh, thoroughly depressed and uh, saying they had given you know their best offer, but you know it didn't go anywhere and I'm just going to throw this out there. It seems to me that the best way to save the season would be if NBC, the network that broadcasts hockey, you know, in other words, pays a lot of money, just steps up and some basically uh, almost threatens them and just say, you know, you guys waited years, if not decades, for this sweetheart network deal, the Holy Grail for hockey. They finally got it. It went very well, obviously. Hockey's uh, done very well in the ratings the last couple of years. And now uh, they're looking at just, uh, you know, blowing it up, losing everything they've gained. And, you know, besides hockey, the second biggest loser in all this, of course, would be NBC.
4: Yeah, you know, and, and we've talked about labor, you know, situations before, unfortunately, more than, more than we ever want to talk about, you know, with certainly during the NFL uh you know, we, we talked about NFL lockouts, we talked about NFL referees lockouts, we talked NBA lockouts. Um, you know, my, my feeling on this is that, you know, you, you just came off of a very successful season with a great playoffs. You know, again, a sweetheart TV deal and, and you really need to tell me that you can't come to some sort of labor agreement. You're, you're, you really, you're really going to try to sell that to, to the hockey fans. You're really going to try to sell that to the public. I mean, it's just it it's, it's a shame, really, and it's just something that they that they they just really they just don't seem to have a, a, a grip on. They just don't seem to really have a feel for the reality of the situation. I mean, the reality of the situation is that you know you have you have owners that are making money hand over fist. You have players that are making money hand over fist. I mean, I mean, hockey salaries today are are you know really you know much. <laughs> and they never were then you know the history of the game. You know, the, the the salaries for hockey players have come a long way over the years. They really have. And yeah, you know, the NHL just always seems to have this tension for shooting itself in the foot.
1: And I agree, Barry. It is a shame. Uh you know, they've really arrived, uh they've Gotten to the point where the Stanley Cup finals are acknowledged by even, you know, casual fans, uh, not the finals, the playoffs in general, as being, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest thing in sports every year. And, you know, to see these players going over and playing in other countries, and I got to think after yesterday's news were, you know, impasse, if you will, that we might see a whole lot more of players now uh, doing other things, shall we say. Since there doesn't appear to be uh, anything imminent uh, for the NHL and playing hockey soon, so it's uh, it's a bad scene to say the least. And the track record now, you know, has to come into play with hockey, where there uh, have been so many work stoppages over the last decade or two that you, you know at this point, since I think they're doing it now at a point where hockey is at the highest point it's been in a long time, if ever, um, that they're just simply, uh, you know, killing the golden goose, as you said. So uh, lots of issues, none of which are good. And like I said, at this point, for the first time, uh, I woke up this morning and thought, The hockey season is definitely, uh, definitely looking shaky right now. Now moving on to a different topic, college football. I really, really like this week's slate of games. I just think that, uh, basically you have the, uh, you know, the top six or seven teams all playing Interesting games, meaning they have stiff opponents. Start with Alabama at Tennessee. There'll be 100,000-plus there. I have a little feeling about this game. I think uh, Tennessee might give Alabama all they can handle, and uh, could be even an upset special. I know that's a bold statement. Alabama looks unbeatable. But they've been playing at a high level for a long time, and this is an old-fashioned SEC slugfest, and I just got a feeling about that. Sticking with the SEC, Florida hosting South Carolina in the swamp. The Gators have moved up to number three. And uh, so that's going to be a great one, no doubt about it. Um, I have a lifelong friend, longtime season ticket holder for the Gators, and they are very, very pumped down in Gainesville. Kansas State at West Virginia. Kansas State number four, looking great. Bill Snyder in his 70s. Great story, great coach. And uh, the Mountaineers got spanked, uh, to say the least, out down in Texas Tech. Welcome to the Big 12. Um, so, again, that's in Morgantown, though. So uh, that's going to be a great one. I look for West Virginia to rebound on that and pull the upset against K State. Notre Dame. At BYU, Notre Dame, of course, moved up to number five in the country, undefeated with the controversial ending and victory over Stanford. And BYU, always a quality team, and the the game is at BYU. And uh, lastly, of the big games, top six teams in the country, uh, except for Oregon, who played last night and looked awesome, as always. But lastly, uh, LSU. knocked South Carolina from the undefeated ranks last week. They're playing at Texas A&M number 20, having a good season. Tough game down in College Station, the original 12th man down there. So, uh, that's going to be it. So, Barry, I've just been going through the college football matchups for tomorrow. All six teams, five of the top six teams, except for Oregon, who won last night, uh, Play stiff opponents tomorrow. I think it's going to be a good day of college football tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I agree, and I I, I, I agree with I actually agree with all your assessments on those games. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun to watch. I, I completely agree.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I said that you know I just I got a feeling about this Alabama Tennessee game. Uh, you know Tennessee not ranked, but again they're going into Rocky Top, hundred thousand plus. Uh, it's been a while since Tennessee's had a really, really, really big win at home, and I got the feeling uh, Alabama's going into a bit of a hornet's nest there, uh, and should be fun me. Alabama just simply looks unbeatable, to say the least. Uh, Barry, I have before we leave, and we're down under two minutes. I have to ask your quick thoughts on Lance Armstrong. Well. You know, I, it, it, it's
4: unfortunate and it, it, it's something that really has been rumored for a long time. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, had a lot of, had, had so much success. But, but, the, but all, all along the whole time, you know, there were all these whispers and all, all the, all the accusations. Um, you know, and it was just, there's it, it just, it, it's just, it's just kind of, kind of crazy because, you know, the organization, the anti-doping organization, you know, was actually, you know, there's actually, uh, you know, Personnel from that organization that was that, that can be in on this, so um, you know, it's just it's just very, a very ugly way for, for a legacy to end. And, you know, it's uh, it's sad. It really is because you know I think you brought a lot of hope to a lot of people. You know, certainly with the with the Livestrong Foundation and all the all the, all the charitable work. And you know, you know, I, I guess I guess all the accusers are not finally saying, "Hey, bullshit, though. so so uh, yeah, it's just it's just a sad way for that story to end."
1: It really is. You know, Nike dropping him as a sponsor this week felt like the final straw. You know, felt like when the anti-doping agency came out with uh, their findings a few weeks back that, and Lance was not for the first time ever fighting it, uh, you know, I think that sent a pretty loud and clear message then, but to me... Yeah. Nike dropping him just felt like, you know, the final straw, and, you know, it sort of feels like the end of an era, you know, say what you want about Lance Armstrong, uh, you know, what makes this situation unique from all others is simply, you know, that he raised a half a billion dollars for cancer survivor, for cancer, to fight cancer, and uh, he's a survivor himself, of course, and, you know, so he was an inspiration to a lot of people. And that's what, again, makes this story different from any that have gone before it, especially regarding steroids. So, we'll see what happens. But, you know, hate to end it on a depressing note like that. But it does feel like, uh, you know, uh, the end of the the Lance Armstrong story as as we've known it for now, at least, or at least this this part of it. Uh, we'll see. So, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, you know what happens going down the road over in coming years, literally. Um, but with that said, Barry, I want to thank you again for calling in. Uh, your expertise, as always, was valued. My pick of the week for appointment TV viewing is an old-fashioned 1 p.m. Sunday game with RG3 and the Redskins taking on the Giants at MetLife Stadium. So it should be fun, Barry. Yes, it
4: should be. Looking forward to
0: it.
1: It'll be a great one, Uh Well, as always, uh, Voice America listeners, thank you for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.